Believe it or not, Advent starts next week, uh, which is a little bonkers to me, but that's, that's, that's reality. Uh, so this is the last Sunday of the church year, which I've said before is kind of like the fiscal year, right? It like does its own thing. It doesn't correspond to the January to December calendar. Uh, and Advent is the beginning of the church year. So we, we end the year, the church year, every year at Catalyst by talking about our core values. What are the things that set us apart as a church that make us unique? And uh, a few years ago, our leadership team introduced four new core values. And so we've been working through those. Uh, the first one that we worked through is friendship. Here at Catalyst, we believe that friendship is the heart of Jesus's good news. And so we celebrate that uh, here at Catalyst. And we talk about what it means that friendship is core to our faith. Uh, not only friendship with God, but of course, friendship with each other. Uh, next, we talked about diversity. And Sonia challenged us to imagine uh, what a diverse church looks like when it takes seriously that God welcomes those that everyone else, even the church, considers unwanted or unwelcomed. Uh, and then last week, we looked at transformation. We looked at the, the low and slow process of faithfulness to God, even when it seems like nothing is happening, right? And, and how that creates in us spiritual fruit. And so this week, we're looking at our last core value. And when we first introduced these new values, we called this value pilgrimage or pilgrim. And, uh, you know, especially given that this is Thanksgiving week, when you hear the word pilgrim, you think of like the guys with the shiny buckles on their hats and, you know, and all that kind of stuff coming across on the Mayflower. And uh, Sonia and I were talking a few, you know, a few weeks ago, we were planning out this series. And she said, you know, uh, I just feel like any word would be better than pilgrim. There's so much baggage associated with that word, even though the word originally did not mean just the people who came across on the Mayflower. In our country, in our culture, um, that particular word has so much uh, negative uh, association with it when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the way Europeans treated the indigenous peoples here and all that kind of stuff. And so, we started talking through, like, what is this core value really about? And the idea that uh, a pilgrim originally was someone who went on a spiritual quest. They left where they were comfortable and they set out because there was a conviction that, that we can only encounter God in certain ways by leaving where we are and finding God somewhere new. Uh, that's why we call our mission trips to Mexico pilgrimage instead of mission trips, right? Because we're not going down there to save or to rescue as much as we're going to learn and to encounter. And so as, as Sonia and I kept talking through this, we kind of got to this idea, you know, that at the root of this value is this conviction that God is always bigger than every box we build for God. And that if we want to continue to encounter the mystery of God, if we really want to avoid turning the ways we understand and know God into idols that replace the deep, unknowable mystery of God, uh, we have to continually make a habit of going outside of our comfort zone, of looking for people who don't think or act or believe like us, uh, and, and, and again, turn that into a lifestyle, right? And, and so the word that we settled on is curiosity, this, this conviction that there's always more, and that exploring and learning and continuing to be open is a good thing. So we're saying here at Catalyst, we value curiosity. And I know that's a weird thing for a church to say. Churches are not known for encouraging curiosity. In fact, I know countless people, like I was saying in the pre-show, 
Countless people who have been told by their churches, by their pastors, by their spiritual leader or mentor, not to question, not to ask questions of God, just to believe and have faith as though faith and, and curiosity are at loggerheads, right? As though they're enemies. And that's a shame because I think when you look through Scripture, what we find again and again and again is that God actually uses curiosity as a way to invite people out of the status quo, out of the norm, and into something that's truly transformative. So I want to show you that in the book of Exodus first today. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with us to Exodus chapter 3. Uh, now, as you're turning over to Exodus, this is the story of God's people having been enslaved in Egypt, right? They, the God, uh, God moved them out of the promised land when there was a famine, and, and they found a haven in Egypt. And then several hundred years later, they ended up enslaved because they were different and because they, uh, they were vulnerable, and the pharaoh in power at the time knew that they could be exploited. So, so that pharaoh enslaved them, and then the, the people of Israel lived as slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Uh, then one day, there was a child born named Moses, and through a series of divinely orchestrated events, Moses ended up as a child of God's people, a child of the Hebrews, but raised in Pharaoh's palace. He was raised actually by one of Pharaoh's daughters in Pharaoh's own palace. So he was, he was from the oppressed people, but he had all of the education and experiences of the ruling people. He's, he's really a child of two worlds in that way. Now, once he became an adult, this became uh, something he really could not continue to, uh, this tension he couldn't continue to live in. He saw uh, an Egyptian man abusing two Hebrew slaves, and he, he steps in and ends up killing the guy. And because of that, he flees. He goes into exile. And so at this point in the story, Moses is in exile. He's deep in the back country, and he has gone to work for a guy named Jethro. Uh, now, it turns out Jethro had a daughter that Moses was pretty into, so he ended up marrying Jethro's daughter, and now he works as a shepherd for his father-in-law, okay? Not exactly uh, auspicious work for a guy who grew up in the palace of the most powerful person in the world at the time, right? He's just, a, he's just kind of a farmer in the backcountry, married, married to the farmer's daughter. And so this story happens... Not in Egypt, not in the center of power, but out in the desert, out in what we would call like the sticks, right? And Moses is out there, he's tending, he's tending sheep, and then his curiosity gets the better of him. So let's read what happens, beginning in verse 1. Exodus tells us that one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning? I've got to go check this out. Now, a little bit of, a little bit of explainer here. I think this is one of those stories in the Bible that has become so familiar to us that we miss how strange it is, right? Because, oh yeah, the burning bush, right, 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 right. Okay, but in, we actually see this in Scripture again and again and again. Anytime the angel of the Lord shows up, which is actually a phrase that just means the messenger of God, right? Anytime God's messenger shows up, the consistent response is fear. Okay, people usually either pass out or fall over or, or like, like throw themselves on the ground. They're so afraid. They're convinced they're going to die, which is why the angel of the Lord always has to say, don't, don't be afraid. Okay, 
So, so what's really happening in this scene is, is like, uh, y'all know I'm a horror movie fan, right? So you know, uh, one of my favorite things about horror movies is going and watching them in the theater and hearing how people react when the person inevitably goes down into the basement or goes back inside the house or does that thing that you obviously know they're not supposed to do, right? And you hear everyone in the theater going, no, 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 no. Um, that's actually sort of the emotion that this scene should be eliciting from us, right? Moses sees this clearly strange event, right? This bush that is burning but is not consumed. Uh, Exodus tells us that it's the messenger of God in the middle of the bush. And Moses is like, huh, that's weird. I'm going to go look at that. And like we as the reader should be going, no, 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 no. Right? Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But Moses doesn't have any fear. He's not afraid at all. He's, he's curious. He, he says, look at that weird thing happening. I want to go see what's going on. Right? I love that that is his reaction. Now, uh, maybe he knew something we don't. Maybe he was incredibly brave. Maybe he was just kind of dumb. Right? We don't actually know why exactly Moses' curiosity overrode his survival instinct that pretty much everyone else in the Bible has. But for whatever reason, he approached this bush, and you've probably heard some version of the rest of the story, at least if you've seen Prince of Egypt, right? Um, Moses gets swept up because of this event. Moses gets swept up into the work that God had undertaken to overthrow an empire, right? This was God's liberating work to free his people from slavery and to lead them into freedom. And because Moses was curious... He got swept up in it, which I think, is, I think is really interesting. And I want to pause there because I want, I want us to, to return into worship for a moment with this idea that when we choose to be curious, when we allow our attention to wander past the status quo, we begin to notice things that are not as they should be and the question becomes, uh, maybe, maybe every bush is burning, right? Maybe God is present all around us. And if we would simply attend to what God is doing, we too might get swept up into the work of liberation that God is still doing to this day. So would you stand with me as we return to worship? When we talk about curiosity as a church... Uh, I, I think one of the biggest reasons that churches often are afraid of curiosity is because curiosity is a threat to the status quo, right? It's asking, why are things the way they are? And uh, if you either don't know why things are the way they are, or if you are benefiting from things the way they are, you might uh, prefer things to stay this way, and you might find questions threatening or challenging. And uh, I, think, I think I just, in my experience of people who are threatened by curiosity, that's often the case, particularly at, uh, in, a, in a church setting. And so I think when we look at the story of Moses, we see that those people are not necessarily wrong to be afraid, right? Because Moses's curiosity led directly to a confrontation with the powers of the day. Uh, Egypt was, Egypt was uh, dealt a heavy blow by God's liberation of God's people, and uh, the status quo was upended in a way that was, um, that was 
long-lasting, right? That, that, that had these, these consequences that we still read about and celebrate today. And so, uh, again, I, I don't know that people who are threatened by curiosity necessarily are making it all up. Where I think we as a church can find comfort is in uh, the fact that Jesus calls himself the truth, right? There's a, there's a story in the book of John, we're actually going to be looking at it some next year, where uh, they say, we, we're not sure what we're doing here. And Jesus says, if you know me, then you know the way, because I am the way and the truth and the life, right? Jesus affirms himself as the truth. And so, uh, and again, I think that's what we see in this moment with the burning bush, um, It is difficult for us to understand how strange it was for Moses to encounter God in that way because we live in an era where uh, we not just uh, prioritize, but even celebrate people having these individual mystical experiences with God, right? When someone says, you know, I was praying, I had this spiritual experience, uh, everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, that's cool, that's great, that's great. But in Moses' day, uh, you didn't experience the gods on your own. Uh, The gods lived in the temples. And if you wanted to experience the gods, you went to the temples. So the idea that Moses could have this encounter with God outside of a temple, and not just outside of a temple, but like out in the sticks in the middle of nowhere, just was unheard of. Uh, It it wasn't the way things were done. And uh, again, I think there's an important lesson for us in there, that that we always have to be aware that God is bigger than whatever boxes we make, that God is beyond whatever uh, beliefs we have about God, right? Uh, One of my my favorite authors says that... uh, Every time we talk about God, we create an idol, right? Because we're binding the infinite with our finite words. And so we have to, we just have to, uh, his, he, was not, uh, ad, he was not advising us to abandon religion or anything like that. What he was saying was we just need to be careful and humble. Because every time we, every time we say this is who God is, we're actually presenting a smaller picture of God than who God is. Because God is infinite, God is beyond us, God is beyond our words, God is beyond our belief structures, and all of that. Uh, and so that's why here at Catalyst, curiosity is so important to us because we never want to make God into an idol. We never want to limit God and say, this is who God is and this is all God is. Uh, we know that God is bigger than Catalyst. We know that God is bigger than our denomination, right? Um, and so when we say that we value curiosity, this is what we're talking about. This conviction that God is at work all around us, within us, without us. And uh, again, the way I like to talk about this coming out of this burning bush story is by saying we believe that every bush is burning. We believe that, that God can be found everywhere. And the problem is that we too often just don't stop and look and ask, what's going on over there? Oh, what is that? But friends, when we do, we have an encounter with God that is truly transformative. That is beyond us. It stretches us. It helps us see God in a new way. And that's what we want. We always here at Catalyst want to be knowing God more deeply and more intimately. We want to be swept further into the divine mystery at the heart of all creation. And so I want to invite you to the table today. 
uh, because this is one of the divine mysteries that we celebrate. This is a way, it is, it is a weird thing that by eating some crackers and drinking some juice, we are swept into the mystery of God, right? That's not a way that someone would have predicted that that would happen. And yet, this is a way God has given us to experience God's divine mystery. And so, uh, this, by, by sharing this meal together every week, it binds us together. And I thought this would be a good place, too, to remind you that we're in a new prayer partnership with our friends at Vita Victoriosa, um, because this is a way of remembering that our community stretches now through this partnership beyond not only the walls of this building, but into another country, right? And so, this is the last week we're, play, we're praying for Clarissa and her family, uh, next week, we're going to get a new prayer partner to start Advent. Um, but, but I hope that that doesn't mean you quit praying for Clarissa and Dylan. Uh, I hope you remember them as, as we go into communion today and then as we, of course, go into our weeks. So before we come to the table, uh, I'm going to lead us in a prayer of examine. And I wanted to try something a little different this week um, because we're talking about the burning bush, right? And the burning bush is one of the most... Uh, one of, one of the things in the world that has uh, inspired the most art. And so I have a, a, an image of the burning bush here um, that was created by a South African artist. And I want to leave this image up as an, as an invitation for you to consider as I ask you the examine questions. And this can be a way to focus your prayer uh, as you take these questions in, uh, in prayer to God. And then after we've gone through the examine, I'll pray for all of us together. I'll pray for Clarissa and her family, and we'll receive communion together. So uh, the first question I want you to consider is this. Uh, when in the last month have I been curious? Okay, are there times that the Holy Spirit has directed your attention outward and you have you stopped like Moses did and said, oh, what's going on over there? Now, has there been a time in the last month that you've been threatened by curiosity? Or threatened by someone who's new and different? And finally, because again, we're entering into a new season, right? Uh, after Thanksgiving, the, the rush to Christmas, the holiday season. And so in this next season, how can I be open and curious? How's God calling me to do that during Advent?
Right, let's pray together. God, you have gathered us today to remind us that you are always bigger than we think, that there's always more of you to know, that the, the mysteries of your love for us can never be fathomed. Thank you for this reminder because we live in a world that does not always encourage curiosity, a world that privileges the status quo. Thank you for reminding us that you've always been revolutionary. You've always been a champion of those who have been left outside. And so we come to your table today uh, curious, wondering what's next for us as a church, wondering what's next for us as individuals. And uh, we receive in these moments these elements we pray that as we receive them, that you would give us the grace to trust you and to trust that you are good and that your plans for us are good and that we can ask and imagine and you're always bigger than our questions and our imaginings. Thank you for welcoming us this morning. Thank you for encouraging our curiosity. And we offer these prayers when we approach your table now in the name of your son, Jesus. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared this meal with his disciples. And at that meal, he broke bread and gave it to them. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it. When the meal was finished, he gave them a cup of wine. And he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take it and drink it. And so now we too eat and drink. And as we do, we remember Jesus' death until he returns. Cool. Um, I don't know how many of you saw, but uh, last night there was a, another mass shooting in Colorado. This one... Uh, was at a gay nightclub. And uh, I, I was particularly grieved at this one because it's in Colorado Springs, which is uh, a, a very overwhelmingly evangelical community. It's where Focus on the Family is based. Uh, and the guy who started Focus on the Family is part of the Nazarene denomination, the same as Catalyst is. And so, I don't know, I just feel a lot of, a lot of ties to that area. And uh, you know, it's no secret that LGBTQ plus folks uh, have been terrorized by evangelicals for decades. And um, this is the kind of fruit that that sort of hatred will uh, continue to create, um, is, is fear and death. And, uh, you know, I just want to say what you already know is that Catalyst uh, loves LGBTQ plus folks, and we know that they're made in the image of God. Uh, we, they are our friends and our family and uh, our congregants. And, and we grieve with the queer community uh, today. Uh, we want to offer prayer, and we want to promise to stand by you in these situations. Uh, we know that nothing makes this less scary or less painful, um, and so we commit to being that with you. And we're, we're, um, we're deeply grieved that people that would consider themselves part of our, uh, our church networks would, are, are people who are some of the cause for this. And so... Um, please know that if you uh, need anything, we'll be praying with you, and, and we're reaching out to you, and, and we love you, and God loves you, and uh, you are children of God. Um, now, if you'll stand, I want to send you uh, with a blessing today. Catalyst, would you go knowing that God is always bigger than every box we could possibly make. And if we will be faithful to continue to ask questions, uh, we can trust that God's Holy Spirit will continue to lead us into all truth because truth has a name and that name is Jesus. So would you go in the grace and peace of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week for the first Sunday of Advent.